0: I'm just going to start yelling at people, YOU HAVE BEEN DECONSECRATED!
1: (laughs) Hello, and welcome to a special bonus edition of Did You Do Your Homework, the pop culture podcast connecting academic ideas to popular media. I am one of your co-hosts, Pete Romberg, summoned before the high table, and joining me, also summoned before the high table, is my co-host,
0: Martha Sullivan, Sullivan, uh, whose DNA has been fundamentally altered by this viewing experience.
1: Yes, we're going to have some adjudicators coming in to ensure that that is true, but on the face, on the surface level, that does seem to be true. Uh, As you can tell, (laughs) we are talking about John Wick 4 in this special bonus edition. Uh, The last main feed edition of Did You Do Your Homework was all about the John Wick movies as a formative mid-aughts, or not mid, not even aughts, teens, a a 2010s action movie franchise. Uh, That had come out just after John Wick 4 had been released. I had seen that fourth installment. Martha had not yet. So we had kept that episode fully devoid of conversations of John Wick 4. This episode, which should be pretty short, but also a lot of fun, uh, will be basically all about John Wick 4, and maybe also how the whole thing, you know, wraps up, ties into to the other three, etc. Uh, fair warning at the top here that this is just full-on spoiler territory. We're gonna talk about the very last scene of John Wick 4, so, you We're know. We're gonna talk
0: about everything. Yeah. We're gonna get into it.
1: You have been warned. All right, let's begin. Uh. The very first thing I want to say. Yeah.
0: There is no way this man is dead.
1: <laughs> Going right to the end. Um, oh, yeah.
0: No, there's no. I, so no I
1: way. I really enjoyed it because in the movie theater I I thought to myself like if if they are done if if Keanu Reeves is like listen I'm I'm getting old a little long of the tooth can't do these stunts anymore I want out. Um this is a really good ending to his story. If on oh, the yeah. other hand in 5 years he and uh Chad Stahelski are like all right we got a lot of ideas I'm still young and spry enough I think we can do this. You know, we've all seen a comic book. We we know that if we don't see a body, there's no there's no real death. So, well,
0: and it's not even. I mean, I would argue that part of the point of these movies is that he's not young and spry. Ah, uh, one of the one of the things I have jotted down to talk about is, um, just I love how he looks exhausted and brutalized.
1: Yes. By yes.
0: the end of these, or at at any point during these movies. So like i don't think that feeling young and spry is a is a necessary user condition no but it might be <laughs> for a, you know keanu to make these
1: movies an important condition for keanu just to be like i don't know if i can pull these stunts off in the same way that like that i would want to be able to um and who I knows guess. maybe maybe a movie where he is incapable of doing the same feats that he used to do like is interesting you know but but we're not there yet um this is also a great point. Like, that was the very end, very beginning. We have Lance Reddick being killed on screen 10 minutes in, which... I was truly really shocked. Yeah, I, and it's the kind of thing where it's like, that is an interesting and good story decision to make before Lance Reddick himself died. And so seeing that two weeks after the announcement of his passing was a real blow. Uh, oh, and I it, wept. Yeah, yeah. Full on.
0: Um, but yeah, like, I, the way that I feel about these movies, like, I am constantly surprised, but I am never shocked, Mm, because mm -hmm. I kind of expect, like, I I just sort of expect that anything can happen. That scene I found truly shocking. Yeah, I think, uh, which I I think you're supposed to. Yeah,
1: I think I would have been shocked even if Lance Reddick himself had not died recently, like, because, uh, Sharon is such an important part of, of the whole mythos, and, and of the Continental, that his, his death is like a death- It's an ally's death that really carries weight because it's really the first ally's death since, um, uh, like, John Wick 1 with Willem Dafoe, exactly.
0: Um, Well, and also, I I think it is necessary for the storytelling because Bill Skarsgård, who is also in this movie, (laughs) an incredible... Like, he... I I feel like the movie wanted to be very clear. Like, do not like this man. Oh, yeah. Do not stand this man.
1: Capital V, Um, Villain.
0: And um, like, I, I think that we have to see him do something truly shocking the first time that we see him. Just other, to sort other of other than simply his
1: own, yeah. Well, and like, and get Ian McShane, does. right. Like, get Ian McShane's investment, uh, like all the way in. Uh, I was about to make a joke about Bill Skarsgård has to do something truly shocking, other than simply wearing the greatest suits ever invented uh, in every really? scene he's in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, the fashions in this movie, a plus. The no fashions
1: hopes. and the locations. Every c- oh like every scene that Skarsgård is in is perfect because it's huge, lush, opulent. He's often alone at a table surrounded by food, or like in you know a I hesitate to call it a stable, but like you know a Louis XIV stable designed for you know with with literal horse jousting happening inside the building it's so friggin big and that tells you what? everything you need to know about this guy
0: utterly absurd <laughs> oh, i every know part of it i loved it so much um I, but yes i truly love how every single casting choice in any of these movies is like yes good no notes perfection i mean like,
1: in the, the fact that we have a donnie yen hiroyuki sonata oh, sword fight scene in this movie oh my god yes um <laughs> And then uh, Rina Sawayama. This is her first acting role, and I want her to be in every action movie. When she knifed her way up a dude's back, I, w- I was fully on board. I mean, also climbing every, every him scene like a tree. Sang, climbing him like a tree, not, yes.
0: Not in a sexy way.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. She she did not do any "I kill you with my thighs" moves in this or that I can remember. You know.
0: So so this actually brings me to one of the things that I want to talk about. Um, I feel like the risk that you run with an action series based primarily on gunfighting at some point is that at a certain point it gets kind of boring to watch people shoot each other in the head.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what, or shoot each other? And what this series has done that is so brilliant is that by the time we get to this movie, the suits, the the cl- everybody is essentially <laughs> everyone, everyone who suits everyone who matters. <laughs> Is essentially bulletproof which is absurd but also I think means that they can do a lot of really interesting things with the fact that getting shot then doesn't kill you but it does like disorient you or discombobulate you or like um distracts you and then like you can get shot in a creative way or you can get hit in the head with a pair of nunchucks or pushed through a window or It's like guns are now a piece of the action choreography, but they are no longer the main course. And I think that is smart enough to make up for the fact that the suits move like regular fabric and are actually just completely bulletproof armor. (laughs) And
1: and we're running around looking like Dracula's holding the suits in front of us, uh, which is great, no notes, even if it's very silly. Um, I, I have two thoughts on that. One is another benefit of that is that in order to kill anyone, you have to get really close. So we're turning yes. guns into hand-to-hand weapons now instead of long-range weapons. Like, you have to get, get your gun up at such an angle to get under the suit fabric, and now you're doing martial arts. Um,
0: it is, I mean, it is truly the heir to the kata stuff that we kind of talked about last time. Yeah,
1: yeah. Or gunfu. Uh, ha! Now, y- now you made the mistake I made last time.
0: I didn't make a mistake. I you're was... thinking the Equilibrium? Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Aren't they... They use guns as, like, a martial arts I mean, tool. kind
1: of, but it's... You're also at a distance, right? Like, Kankata is, like, we've mathematically Cuncata. engineered the right way to, like, the exact right place to shoot so that we'll shoot someone. It's like, okay, Well,
0: whatever. it's been a hot minute since I've seen Equilibrium. I, I was just listening um. to a
1: podcast about Equilibrium, which is the only reason that information is in my head. Um... <laughs> Well the the other thing and and listening to you describe the bulletproof suits and what that that turns the fight choreography into it really is kind of the best uh on-screen portrayal of the idea of hit points from Dungeons and Dragons like yeah you're going to keep shooting at each other you're getting winded you're getting bruised you're getting hurt but like you're not getting killed by bullets unless unless you've been you know worn down enough that your final hit points drop to zero
0: um we need to talk just for a moment, and this is related, about that fight scene in the club.
1: With the waterfall? Yes. Oh. Uh, so,
0: first of all, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I found something out. Whenever you see a scene where people are dancing in a movie, like in a nightclub or whatever, almost 100% of the time, those extras, there is no music playing. Mm, so mm-hmm. those extras are dancing their little heads off to no music.
1: Yeah, <laughs> which is a fact is... that
0: just I I find very funny. Um, also, we have a dance sequence in every John Wick movie, I believe, or it, like an in the club scene.
1: This one felt like a callback to the first movie, like a very intentional oh, see, callback. From,
0: for me, it felt like the second movie hmm. when he goes to kill the sister
1: in in Italy. Yeah. I guess, yeah, because we are in Berlin, so it is that, like, Euro Euro Discotech vibe.
0: But anyways, I loved it. I loved the large poker man.
1: <laughs> um, Who's apparently, like, a huge... It's Scott Adkins, who is apparently, like, a huge British action movie guy. Um, excellent. So it was... Yeah, I, I don't know him that well. So... Uh, but I know other people who are, like, into his... Oeuvre. we're like, oh my god, it's got Atkins in a fat suit and the wildest accent and makeup imaginable.
0: Um so I wanna go back really quick to what you said about um the fight sequ- sequences feeling like losing hit points. I do think that there is something video game-esque about this movie. Um, the way that John Wick is like moving through the levels of experience. And sometimes in action movies that annoys me. Here it really worked for me. And I think part of it is because it it keeps the movie moving. And it also means that you can have an extended set piece like the hotel fight in Osaka. But it is it feels broken up into multiple set pieces, or like it's one big set piece broken up into multiple sequences, right, which you... makes the makes it not feel as exhausting and i mentioned to you before we started recording that i wanted to go back and watch three again because my gut reaction was oh i like this better than three but now i honestly can't remember if they do that in three also and i'm just not
1: remembering it i think i think they did it better in this one i think three was the attempt to do this and like and and did it well but this movie has basically I don't know, four scenes over a two-hour and forty-five minute <laughs> runtime, right? <laughs> like, uh and but as you say, because of the way it's broken up, like that Osaka sequence is probably forty-five minutes, or at least it you know, it feels that way. But in that 45 minutes, there's six different set pieces. So like we're only yes. really spending five or six minutes in each incredibly exhausting and violent, you know, <laughs> action sequence. But but because like each one is in a different place and features different characters and we're cross-cutting, and one of them is Donnie Yen for the second time in a role playing a blind oh my God. guy. Uh, so i I had to look up after i am like, is Donnie Yen blind? because this is the second thing I've seen him in where he's a blind action like martial arts guy. Uh, he can he see
0: he is so good.
1: He's incredible. Um, oh my God.
0: <laughs> yes. um but yeah, so I I have been talking about this when I when I talk to people about it. It's like, I left, I finished number three feeling exhausted. Mm -hmm. I finished number four, and I felt elated. Like, I walked out of the movie theater, and I felt like my soul had transcended from my body. Um, It was just um, an exhilarating feeling. Um, Part of it is also that I love that we can have these hardcore brutal fights between like extremely manly tough guy men and then also make space for like the incredibly heartfelt uh conversations that Donnie and Keanu Reeves have together like their scene in the church was so moving i almost wept
1: mm-hmm. this this whole series does a great job of introducing new characters who like the movie just tells you and you have to just buy it's like don't worry like they and john wick are best friends going back 40 years and oh yeah wh- 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 well, whether, well, wh- whether it's the writing or the acting or what but like immediately you're like yeah no i fully believe that these guys are having a real hard time coming to terms with the fact that they probably have to kill each other now um
0: i said this i said this in our last episode is that every character in these movies is so specific no matter how much screen time they get like my favorite character far and away in this movie is the osaka management
1: Uh, played by Hiroyuki Um, sanada
0: yeah yeah i I mean he he was incredible. incredible
1: absolutely incredible and
0: i've never met i've never met this character before i've never seen him before i utterly believe the depth of the relationship that he and john have and i was so sad at how that whole thing ended like and then also because you are then set up to feel very emotional over Donnie Yen and his whole deal then by the end of the movie you have this really deep like conflict
1: over yeah
0: um not even whose side are you on but like um just how because Donnie Yen kills um Hiroyuki...
1: Uh, Hiroyuki Sonata is the actor. Hiroyuki
0: Sonata, yeah. He kills his character, and so I'm feeling some kind of way about that, but then by the end of the movie, I'm like, but Donnie Yen is the best! Right, and like, I don't very... like...
1: At the final shootout, it's like, I don't like that Donnie Yen killed Hiroyuki Sonata, but I don't want Keanu Reeves to kill him.
0: Well, and just... This is the world that they've set up, where, like, you know, people are trading people are trading honor and lives and all of this. And sometimes you have to kill people who are your friends because that is what the world demands. And it's all very honorable and heavily emotive. And I guess looping back around to my initial point, I love that emotion and these deep personal bonds are such an integral part of this world.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: I sometimes feel, I sometimes feel like, action movies can be too sterile or like we don't talk about feelings we just kill a bunch of
1: people I, I and was like, just about to say this is not cold hardened I... assassins who are like we repress our emotions to do our job
0: exactly like I think it's actually really important that they don't like the debts of honor don't play as well if you have no honor
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well not just if you have no honor but if you have no like you know if, if you're bad, like, a psychopath who has no emotion whatsoever, merely a code that you follow and nothing more, you're not getting those deep relationships that, that you know, John Wick and, and Kane clearly had coming into this. You know, ni- neither of them could have that, for- like, that, that, that clearly portrayed forged connection if they were both, like, were honorable men, but other than that, we repress all our emotions and we feel nothing and we just do the job, you know?
0: And this is why, of course, Bill Skarsgård's character has to die. Yes. Because he doesn't feel anything for anybody.
1: Right. He is... And that is his weakness. Yes. Well, and, and also <laughs> overweening hubris. I love that this is like, why does he die? Pure hubris. Thinks that John Wick is dead. Wants to take that last shot.
0: No, he doesn't even think he's dead. He just
1: thinks that he's dying. Well, he thinks he's dying, but he also thinks he's like, hey, great. Now that, now that the job is done, I can swoop in at the end and take like take the uh uh not the prize the shot. like yeah the kill shot like take the um uh the glory you know he's a kill yes. thief that's all he is he's a he's a glory hungry kill thief <laughs>
0: um i loved it so um, much <laughs> uh spe- speaking
1: of that last scene got a shout out we got clancy brown as the harbinger um Anytime Clancy Brown is in a movie, I am very excited. The fact that we have Clancy Brown and Ian McShane in this movie, two people who I would happily let read the phone book to me, uh, just it, truly incredible. Um, and Ian McShane be- is the funniest person in these movies. I just want to... Yeah, because he's literally just playing his character from Deadwood, and I would like that character to narrate my life all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially when he, like vaguely mispronounces latin or like pronounces latin with like the most american accent or like ian mcshane accent imaginable love it love it um this because of this movie i learned that clancy brown is the voice of mr krabs in spongebob squarepants which has shaken me to my core (laughs) uh i I just i will say that this I I loved this movie. It was a rocky start for me because I went to a a nice local movie theater. It's not an art house because it, it, you know, plays every Marvel movie and and whatever. But it's a little two-screen situation. And during the trailers, the aspect ratio was all messed up. And so all of us in the theater were sort of sitting there being like... And you could, like, feel everyone shifting around and being like, all right, well, it's the trailers. The aspect ratio is messed up. Maybe it's going to fix for the movie itself. And then the opening, like, the um, the production company cards start kicking in, and it's like, it's kind of hard to tell if the aspect ratio is messed up or not. And the opening scene is just a fist punching a, a dummy, and it's all centered, and you're like, ah, so can't quite tell. And the instant it shifted to another shot, we're like, aspect ratio is still messed up. 20 minutes. They let the movie run for 20 minutes as, as people at various points it's are going mean- back and complaining. No, we were all going okay. back and complaining. They just couldn't fix it. Um, eventually, they did, like, a hard reboot of the whole thing. Uh, and that did fix it. So we ended up starting this movie 20 minutes later than we were supposed to, because they did, like, they restarted from the beginning. Um, but it was like, I had never seen that happen before in this theater. i never seen that happen before in any theater. Uh, the crowd was close to mutinying, and I think it was the first showing. Like, it, it was a Friday night show, so maybe they had shown it, like, the Thursday night before, but it was one of the first showings. Um and then, like, you know, once they fixed it, everything went fine, and the rest of the, the time was a great time. But it was a definitely a rocky start for the whole, like, Lawrence of Arabia sequence.
0: I did not love the Lawrence of Arabia sequence as much as I loved the Warriors sequence. Uh, I loved—as
1: I as soon as <laughs> I realized that we were doing a Warriors bit, uh, it's a good thing I know how to act appropriately in a movie theater, uh, because otherwise <laughs> I would have been standing up uh, shouting— uh expletives of joy and pumping my fist then we get a warriors homage it was very
0: good too i will say i had two little nitpicks of this movie and they both came up during the warriors homage Uh, one is that i i feel very strongly that if you are going to put a fast and the furious in your movie you should go full fast and the furious so I wanted more wide shots of the car chaser on the Arc de Triomphe. I wanted to see more of the driving.
1: So I I was okay with it because I felt like we got out of the cars pretty quickly, and at that point I loved the close shots where you're just fighting in the middle of the Arc de Triomphe, and at any point a car could whiz by and smash into someone, uh, like from That's, no, from nowhere.
0: That stuff was all very good. I just also loved watching John Wick use a car as a weapon.
1: <laughs> yes, I loved watching him use a car as a weapon, and then I loved watching him use other cars as weapons. <laughs> you know, like right. moving cars. Um, uh, also, also other... like we've we've all seen racing, like you know, Fast and Furious movies around the Arc de Triomphe. I loved that we got out of the cars and then had a gun battle in the middle of that roundabout. You know, from hell. Uh, I've I've never seen anything like that. Once again, this this whole series has the best set like locations and sets imaginable.
0: Uh, My other nitpick is this movie is generally or these movies are generally very very good about including women, and I thought that we deserve to have some female dirtbags in the like unwashed mook characters sure like in our in our waves of villains they were just all like dirty white men and i was like you can make you could make some of those dirty white ladies or yeah.
1: have, have dirty, some of them... dirty
0: people of color
1: yeah have <laughs> some of them get like you know bit by mr nobody's dog have some of them get lit up by like the insane shotgun flamethrower some... exploding Yeah, thing. like we get
0: some we get some women in suits in the osaka building it yeah. just it seemed weird to me that all of a sudden we didn't have any women extras, and that bummed me out.
1: The Bechdel cast, uh, which is a, a podcast I assume you're familiar with? I am. I've never listened to it, though. Okay. They, they recently had an episode about John Wick 1, and they were— uh, It was sort of the vibe where they were like, they had a lot of fun, and then when they analyze it through their angle of, like, Bechdel test feminism, yeah, obviously it doesn't pass, but also that's not the right lens to analyze this movie with. You know, a, a well, bit of a, like, was... if if every, if all you have is a hammer, then sometimes you're going to be hammering things that don't, like, that you shouldn't be hammering.
0: Well, and the Bechdel test, like, <clears throat> it is worth, it is a worthwhile thing to keep in mind. It is not always the most useful an right. analytical lens to look at stuff in.
1: Right, exactly, exactly. Um. um and that's, yes, like, I yeah, thought... I, I kind of felt that here, because, like, yeah, the only... I think the only female character with any lines whatsoever is, um, uh, Rina Sawayama in this, in this chapter. Oh um, and
0: also Katya, the Russian, um, or the, uh, oh,
1: right. The head of the, um,
0: the Belarusian,
1: but yeah, the Belarusian and their, yeah. Their the Roma, head of right? his
0: family. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: and it's like, okay. Yeah. General. So there are, there are two important female characters in this. They don't talk to each other. That's not what these movies are about. <laughs> Y- you know. Um,
0: well, and movies are allowed to be about male friendship. Yeah. Like, yeah. that is also true. Yeah. Um It's one of those things where it's like, if we just had more of the thing, <laughs> then it wouldn't matter as much when we don't have the thing.
1: Yeah. I'm just now realizing that Katya was played by Natalia Tenna, uh, who played Tonks and Osha. Uh, Tonks in Harry Potter and uh, Osha in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, I did not realize that was her, and I love her.
0: Yeah, she is incredible. Um, every every scene of this movie drifts with so much over the top ritual, and I love it so much. Like when
1: they're burning their arms on the on the pot to like you know get him back into the like the Belarusian aroma fold. Uh it's like this, I, I love the insanity this of this entire universe, for. exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, my pain is your pain, alright, let's do it! <laughs> um, Going back a while, you were talking about how this feels a lot like a video game, and yes. the sequence through the abandoned apartment complex, where we go fr- into a overhead view as he has the... Insane flamethrower, shotgun, exploding bullet thing, which was—it's the kind of thing where you're like, well, that's the silliest weapon in the world, and you ran out of exploding rounds five minutes ago. But you know what?
0: I'll allow Listen, it. Listen, <laughs> oh, right. shut your mouth. <laughs> right.
1: But it, like, it was a like seeing that top-down view as we're going through the rooms. It really did feel like either a video game or like a D and D game where you're getting that uh, you know god's eye view, looking directly down as he's just. <laughs> by exploding mooks with an exploding shotgun. Uh... Well, there
0: is a video game that my husband plays quite a bit of called Door Kickers, which mm. is a top-down game where you play as um, so like literally this <laughs> military. Well, you play as like military or CA or whatever. Um, but yes, you assign all your actions, and then um, your people kick in doors and mm. clear rooms and. Mm. But yes, that was what it reminded me of. Um, And as soon as those unwashed mooks practiced with that flamethrower rifle, I was like, (laughs) "This is about to be a fun time." (laughs) Right,
1: we're gonna have people exploding. Great.
0: Um, But Um, yes. Yeah. The and we we,
1: (laughs) right. We talked about it off air. The bit where he's going up the stairs to um, uh, Sankur, uh, and it's exhausting. And then he gets to the top and is kicked back down. That is why you go to see movies like this in a movie theater, because my entire theater, the entire time he was falling down those 220 stairs, pausing at a landing, continuing to fall, it was, it was such an explosion of, like, laughter, and it's the laughter of, like, this is objectively funny, it's a good Buster Keaton pratfall scene, and also, oh my god, he just got to the top, and also, like, there's the release of tension, but there's more tension.
0: You feel every one of those steps.
1: Every one of those steps. And it's, it's like, I know what it took to get to the top. You have to do it again in even less time now. Yes. Uh, this is, this is, uh, and it's the kind of thing where like, you expect him to stop at any landing, but he doesn't. He keeps going all the way to the bottom because of course he has to go all the way to the bottom. That, like, there's no other way that scene could end. But every time he gets a landing, you hope. You hope that he might stop there, and he doesn't have to go all the way down. Uh, and then Donnie shows up and says, yeah, we're gonna, you know, we're about to shoot each other to death, but we're gonna do that properly at the top of the stairs, so let's you and I together get to the top of the stairs.
0: Get this man to the church.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, how did we feel about Mr. Nobody? Our, one of our new uh, new characters. I, I don't know what to call it. He's not quite a POV character, um, although I do sort of feel like the audience experiences a lot of the movie like from his perspective, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think he's he's the helpful in to like the Bill Skarsgård. You know, like him. He and Donnie Yen, after the initial scene with um, Lance Reddick and Ian McShane, he and Donnie Yen are the ones interacting with Skarsgård. Um, i thought like i am i'm on board with a full-on mercenary character who's like i'm gonna protect you because i want to be the one to off you which is kind of what you think willem dafoe is in the first movie until you realize he's like no he's just fully protecting uh you know keanu um well
0: maybe that was because i i had a little bit of difficulty with him early on just because i was like i don't know what this man is about um but I, I think that maybe I was still thinking about Willem Dafoe and the answer is just like, well, he's going to he's going to see how much money he can. Right. Like he's he doesn't want any, of he
1: doesn't want anyone to kill John Wick until that bounty is 30 million. And then he wants to be the one to do it um,
0: until until yes. yes, John Wick saves his dog.
1: Yes, the this uh, movie because... is about the importance of dogs.
0: Well, because I fully believe that this franchise is a one dead dog franchise. I mean, we've in the, already in had the third a...
1: movie. Halle Berry's dog had body armor, so like when when dude shot her dog, immediately the audience is like, "Well, this guy has to die." And then the dog was fine, but we're still like, "Doesn't fine. matter, still gotta die."
0: Well, yes, because it is a one dead dog franchise, but it is also a pro dog franchise.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So you
0: know, don't mess with the dogs.
1: <laughs> yeah, dog, dogs are great and and we, we have to have one of them dead to, to begin the first movie, and then no one else. No dead dogs. As soon as that dog um, was in the crosshairs, though, I was like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen, and it did, and it was great. <laughs> I, I was for it.
0: Um, but yes, I very much enjoyed that character. I hope he comes up in the next movie. When it, um, it, it
1: sounds like they are making maybe a... You said you were saying on the last episode that they're doing a show about the Continental, which we're not quite sure how that might look, because it seemed like Lance Reddick's character wasn't in. Um, Well,
0: so what I have learned since then is that it is a prequel show about Winston and how Winston got to be in charge of the Continental.
1: You know, if they got Ian McShane, uh, I will be excited. And if they have someone else playing young Ian McShane, McShane, I'll still watch it. But I am objectively less excited.
0: Well, so what I imagine will probably happen is whatever their plans initially. I I feel like the direction that you pivot now is to make it younger versions of the Sharon and um, Winston characters, and just go full, uh, full prequel.
1: Well, and speaking because,
0: of, or you incorporate sequences of Winston, like, being sad about, uh. Sharon? Sharon? I I think Sharon. I guess it's probably Sharon.
1: The the problem is I see that name and I'm like, Karen, or or Kyron, like the (laughs) boatman. And then Ian McShane says like Sharon, and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, all right, that's that's more likely. Um, Speaking of pivoting, did you also know about The Ballerina?
0: I did, starring Anna de Armas. Yeah,
1: starring Anna de Armas, and then also apparently with Ian McShane... I mean, like Wiki says, it's got Ian McShane, Keanu Reeves, Lance Reddick, and Angelica Houston. Apparently, Gabriel Byrne, Norman Reedus are in it. Yeah, so, yes. like, yes, please. Yes. So, sounds amazing. Um, is, Stahelski is or is producing, uh, but Len Wiseman is directing. Uh, he did some Underworld. He did, he he is, does not have the best track record, but that's fine.
0: Listen. I enjoy the underworld movies.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, of all of all directors to pull, the guy who did all the underworld movies. Okay. Fair enough.
0: It works for me. What yeah. can I say?
1: Yeah. Uh anyway, so so that's going to be about Anna De Armas who is a ballerina uh probably uh you know, one of the the ballerina being trained by Angelica Houston in the third movie. Um, and to that I say, sounds fun oh yeah go go to cool like, locations get that awesome lighting
0: i'm all in on this stuff like I, <laughs> i'm i'm in for whatever these people want to do i'm in for whatever decisions chad Dehelski chooses to make the music in this movie was incredible
1: yes yes
0: um yeah i'm i'm down i do think i have run out of things to say
1: yeah i think i have too uh which is good because we're at roughly the half hour mark
0: perfect (laughs)
1: exactly what we were hoping for
0: thank you all for coming on this bonus adventure with us just as a reminder our next regular release is going to be about artificial intelligence and the woobification of robots so uh, please do join us for that. We are watching Megan and AI by Steven Spielberg
1: <laughs> uh, for that discussion. You know, a perfect companion piece to Megan, uh, the, the Mean Abs- Lord of 2023.
0: Absolutely. Um, our next Love ya episode is coming soon. We are going to be watching Hello, Goodbye, and Everything in Between, which you can find on Netflix. Uh, you can check out my newsletter at tinyletter.com backslash martha. I believe the last thing I posted on there was a list of everyone I think who should host the Oscars. Um, You can follow me most places at Magical Martha, except for Tumblr, where I am at the Libratrix, because I got locked out of my original account. (laughs) Uh, Pete, where can people find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Pico3000, P-I-K-O 3000. I'm trying to cut back on that ever since Elon turned the Twitter bird into Doge from Dogecoin and the memes. There was because there was a
0: beautiful period where people were complaining about that, but it had not yet come to my account. Same.
1: And then oh. it came to my account. And I was like, well, that's an easy way for me to stop going on Twitter a bunch. Because um, every time I saw it, I was like, right, Elon, dumb. Close Close window. Uh, it's gone back to the birds, and now I'm like, eh, I I am still trying to pull back on it. Um, you can also find me on Letterboxd at P Romberg, P R H uh, O M B E R G. It looks like the last movie that I watched was, uh, well, <laughs> I, uh, we watched 80% of Little Women last night, but we didn't finish it, so I haven't logged it yet. Um, so the last movie we watched was Runaway Jury, which uh, was really good and. Boy, is that movie from 2003, before Congress and the courts did everything they could to protect gun manufacturers from any possible repercussions. Uh,
0: yeah, truly. Yeah. yeah, the last, yeah, follow me on Letterboxd. The last movie I watched was John Wick 4. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and actually, by the time this drops, it will have been Dungeons and Dragons, which was a great time at the movies.
0: Hopefully, yeah, yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter at dydyh podcast, uh, which is also our Instagram handle. You can also find us on uh, Facebook by searching "Did You Do Your Homework?" and you can email us at show at uh, I think that's all we have, unless there's anything else you're plugging. No. Great. Uh, well. At this point, uh, the Harbinger and the Adjudicator have decided that you will be allowed to live. We have all been uh, allowed to live. Our hotels shall be kept open. And until next time, make sure you do your homework. Don't break any rules that you're not supposed to break. Class dismissed.